Real Fun DC. So good you'll eat it up. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Industry Night with me, your host, Nikki Nellis. If it's your first time joining us, welcome. And when I say us, I mean me. Um, So let me give you a little background of who I am and what I do. I have been covering the DC food and wine scene for the last 18 years. So perhaps you've heard me on Foodie and the Beast. That is the DC only food and wine radio variety show that uh, my husband and I do. Yes, he rides on my coattails uh, because I am the foodie. He is the beast. But that's on 1500 and we've been doing that for the last 12 years. You may be hearing me on WTOP for the last 15 years. I do a lot of trend reports and updates about what's happening in around the DC food, wine and hospitality scene. Of course, you're following me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest and greatest. But if you really want to know the latest and greatest, you are checking out the list, areyouonit.com, the online e-zine that lists every food and wine event happening in the D.C. metro area. You want to know what's opening. You want to know what's closing. You want to know who's pouring what. You want to know about the greatest events happening in and around the D.C. metro area. It is all there. Now, pandemic dining is a thing, and D.C. restaurants are still at 25%, but you can still eat and eat well. And I have actually been out and about, and I'm going to brag about it because it's my show, and I get to do that. So I just checked out the new Dauphines, uh, Kyle Bailey uh, and his team behind the Salt Line. They just opened up and it is gorgeous. This is an ode to New Orleans dining. The space, honestly, it's one of the prettiest spaces that is open in the DC area in a really long time. And it's massive. So gorgeous charcuterie bar, gorgeous seafood bar, an incredible bar bar, great New Orleans style cocktails. And the rockfish almondine was insane. So congratulations to Kyle and his team because it's very exciting. I also checked out Michelin starred El uh, El Cielo, which is this Colombian fine dining experience. Um, 22 courses, everybody. I made it through 22 courses. Actually, I'm here for 22 courses. David, not so much about the 22 courses, but he powered through. And here's what I loved about it. Not only was the service sublime, but A lot of time you go to restaurants like this and they can seem fancy or pretentious or you leave hungry, um, which sounds like a weird thing to say after 22 courses, but the food was really good and beautifully presented and very um, interesting and engaging and still delicious. In fact, the best course was the coffee course. And I say that as a coffee lover, but not coffee drinker. I love the idea of coffee, but I don't drink it. And it was delicious. So special occasions, I've got you covered. Check out um, LCLO. And lastly, yes, I'm still doing neighborhood drops. Yes, you can go out to restaurants, but I'm all for takeaway. And we just did Chloe, Heider Karoom's uh, food really translates uh, for both takeaway and in dining. Okay, so Say goodbye to igloos and ice rinks because spring is here and uh, there are more than flowers popping up out of the ground. If you look around, there are some outdoor activations that you should totally be checking out. 
There's the Admo Art Walk over in Adams Morgan, which means you can look around at impressive selection of artwork that is displayed all over storefronts. Uh, Georgetown is doing a spring glow. This is something they normally do during the holidays. Again, incredible light activations all around uh, Georgetown. And for you casino lovers out there, I got a weird one for you. Well, it's weird for me because I don't go to the casino, but MGM has outdoor gambling. Yes, you heard me right. You can gamble. Oh, look at everybody's faces. Outdoor gambling. Uh, yeah, you can go to MGM Grand and they have alfresco uh, gambling. And lastly, um, well, I got two last ones that I love. The Anacostia Community Museum has a new food exhibit. It's an outdoor exhibit and it explores food issues. I haven't had the opportunity to go, but it's on my list and I wanted to share that with you. And if you haven't gone down to the wharf and seen the gorgeous art installation of our own Kamala Harris, um, our vice president, you should check it out. It's right outside of Officina and it is really glorious. Okay. So as always, I'm going to tell you to support area restaurants because the pandemic is not over yet. Uh, so please do that. And I'll on today, to today's show. So it'll surprise no one to learn that stereotypes and unconscious bias are rampant in the hospitality industry. Enter Empowering the Diner. This is a Black women-led educational event. event. Uh, the whole series aims to empower diners to have better experiences in restaurants. Now, later in the show, I'll be talking with Empowering the Diners co-founders, longtime local hospitality professionals, Erica Christian and Capri Robinson, um, both who have been on Foodie and the Beast, and I'm excited to uh, really talk about what they're doing and how they're doing it. Uh, but first, Carlos Rice and Dara Samron are the dynamic duo behind YAP, or yes, another podcast, which follows Industry Night right here on Real Fun DC. They chat hip hop culture, social issues, and trends in entertainment. Now, I got to join the two of them a couple of weeks ago, and we had so much fun. Um, they were very generous. They had me on the entire show, and I am not being nearly as generous. I'm having them on for the beginning of the show. But we did talk dining in DC. We also talked the bogus battle between Baltimore and DC food landscape. And we picked our favorite uh, rapper turned actor. Um, I went with Queen Latifah. Uh, there was a little bit of a battle there of who should really win, but that's how we did it. So Carlos and Darius, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Really so. Okay, so let's do a little bit of background on both of you because you both have some interesting backgrounds. Carlos, how'd you get here? Why'd you wind up with a podcast? Well, well, I was in the radio for the business radio business for a while on the promotion department, and I wanted to be on air, but those opportunities wasn't formulating the way I thought it was going to formulate. So I said, you know what? Let me just see if I can do something on my own. And like to start recording my own content and to see where we go from there. And so what I did was um, I asked some of our street teamers who will also like had similar interests. Hey, okay, wait, not every that's like so like insider baseball there. Explain okay, yeah. Explain what uh, a street teamer is. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so a street teamer like is the promotion team for the radio station that go out to different events to promote the um, radio station. So they they're at your concerts, they're at your um, baseball events and they just promote this station um, with swag, t-shirts. Right, like handing out stuff. Handing right? out stuff all like, the, yeah. Yeah. Just getting, you know, just getting the word out about the radio station. 
so that's what a street teamer is and so um usually if you're part of the street team you're not necessarily going to be a part of programming which is on air being a producer and legal on air talent so mm-hmm. at that point i realized it was i was having issues getting to that part of the um, department so i said let me just start my own uh, my own thing and so i decided to come up with a podcast and i asked a few street teamers to uh, mm-hmm. join me and so the, the podcast is called yes another podcast with carlos and company or carlos and friends so i started bringing on like random people well not random but an interesting assortment of people um right because i'm not random i just yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> you're definitely not random but a different <laughs> variety of people on the show to talk about um different issues and different topics. So sometimes we talk music and sometimes we talk gaming or movies. And so mm-hmm. every episode is a little bit different. And Darius, who uh, at one point I was working under because he was my uh, promotion coordinator, he joined us. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you know, the rest is history. We've been doing it. We've been doing close to a hundred episodes. It's amazing. So, good for you guys so i didn't think we'll get past 20. and so well listen i'm not telling you something that you don't know i mean everybody thinks that they have something interesting to say on a podcast that they can not only uh do a podcast but like continue with it it's work i mean this is two hours this is every show that i do and that goes for the radio show and it goes for um this show I mean, just the script alone is two hours. That doesn't include booking and getting it. I mean, it's work. It's not easy. You can't just it's go not, on and wax poetic and be fabulous, right? It's Without not the easy. work. Yeah, it's yeah. not easy. There's a lot of people who, uh, when we first when, when we first started, like who had like very popular podcasts, they had a lot of people listening, and like they just fell off. You know, it just mm. it just it's like all right, they just couldn't keep the steam and keep it rolling. But we've been able to like be uh, like, you know, slow and steady wins the race sometimes, and so we're still here. I love that. All right, Darius, you're a industry veteran too, radio industry, not food industry. Uh, tell us a little bit how you joined up with Carlos. I think I'd uh, actually be good in the food industry. I might give my uh, my hand at it one of these days. Well, I got <laughs> but... two women here who would love to help you along. So let's, uh, we could stay on. Maybe we can well, figure we something out for you. <laughs> um, and, I mean, Carlos... and they're hiring, just to be clear. Like, oh, we'll see that. Yeah, I get text messages all day. What do you know? Who do you know? Because back of the house, front of the house, all these restaurants are reopening and there is not enough people to fill that. But go ahead. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I kind of similar to Carlos where uh, I, I got into the radio industry um, through the promotions department. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, basically all my life as a, you know, from youth up until now, just radio has been a, a first love of mine, basically. I, I just, I've always enjoyed uh, the way people are able to speak their message through through audible ways, whether it's music, whether it's sports, whether it's news, whether it's uh, religion, it, it, the way radio gives you that freedom of being able to speak your voice, uh, you know, without curse words, of course. <laughs> um, I've always enjoyed that part about radio. So uh, mm-hmm. being able to break my foot into radio through the promotions department was a phenomenal experience. Um, I've met a lot of great people and was able to do a lot of uh, amazing things and go to a lot of amazing events that I probably wouldn't have done um, in my previous careers. So uh, mm. that, that part was awesome. Um, and yeah, along the way, uh, I noticed Carlos was doing this podcast and I jokingly one day said, we were, I, I wanna say we were working at a baseball game one of these days. And I jokingly said, hey, you should have me on your podcast one time. I'll, I'll come on and talk. And 
he took me up on my joke and had me had me come on the podcast one day and mm-hmm. from there I don't think I've missed more than one episode since then probably I'm probably 70 episodes deep that's <laughs> yeah. amazing Carlos, it's, uh, well so how do you guys happen. formulate what you want to talk about how do you come up with your show like run how do you guys come up with that how do you do that well some of it is like just off of personal experiences like you know it's something wacky happened to me you know I, mm-hmm. I might share it on the show um but a lot of it is based off like what I see like maybe on social media like there's a topic that is like irritating me or something that's like all right let's bring this on the air and let's just talk about it and um mm-hmm. you know good, like good or bad this is you know we don't like to we don't like to hide from any type of topic but like we just let usually let like a full week go by to gather our topics and then like all right let's mm-hmm. see what sticks and like what we want to talk about and you know go from there um you know it's it does take a lot of planning because sometimes it's like all right there's nothing there's nothing happening in like the world so what can we talk about and so we got sometimes okay really dig deep. let me amend that there's always something happening in the world <laughs> but the question is is finding things that turn you on right like what right. turn you on enough to go on air and talk about it you know because i mean we could all you know and and talk about it in a way that sounds um interesting and engaging yes. right because that's yes. the hard part I think one of the the cool things about having a podcast and being a part of a podcast regularly is that when you go about doing your everyday life things, it's kind of always in the back of your head, uh, just thinking, ooh, that's something I'd like to talk about, or this happened to me, I could bring that up on the podcast. It's it's just one of those things that's constantly churning in the back of your mind, no matter what you're doing in your everyday life when you have this kind of platform. And I think uh, think that's what Yes Another Podcast allows us to do, is it allows us to, to freely bring those topics to the table and have conversations mm-hmm. about them and then get engagement beyond the conversations about them. I think that's what I like about it the most. Um, well, I think, yeah, go ahead. Oh, so like for a perfect example is like last summer I was at a wedding um, mm-hmm. at my cousin's wedding and um, my cousin, hus- now husband is the nephew of Chris Tucker, the actor. And so oh, cool. Chris Tucker popped up at the wedding and before he, you know, before he left, I, formulated a plan to get a picture with Chris Tucker and so mm-hmm. we went you know so like I ended up telling that story on like how we kind of corner him literally corner him in like a like corner and like hey Mr. Tucker can we get a picture and he was like yeah sure whatever and you know and we, and we got the picture and I ended up bringing that story back to the um podcast okay okay Carlos I thought you were going to be like, and then Chris Tucker came on my podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, okay, no, I'll tell you what. i tell you what. I mean, come on. I'm glad you got a picture, but. You know, I'll, look, I would love nothing more. Get on your podcast. I would love nothing more than to get Chris Tucker on the podcast. But it was, but it's so But it was so random that, well, it wasn't random because we kind of we kind of knew that he would be there, but like going up to, like going up to him and asking for a picture, especially during the pandemic, we were like, ah, I'm not too sure, but, you know, you kind of you only live once just give it a, give it a go mm-hmm. so it worked out that's a fun story well tell me um guys what's up next like what what are some of the things coming up other than me obviously on your show the what are some of the things that you're looking forward to um you know like with summer coming the pandemic loosening like what are some of the conversations you think are coming up well you know we since we come up to like our 100th episode we trying to we're thinking about bringing back a couple of people who um mm-hmm you know, who are guests or co-hosts of the past. Cause we, you know, Darius, like Darius wasn't like, you know, like, wasn't my first co-host, you know, we, you know, we kind of had to go through, 
Jeez, yeah. don't tell him that. My God. Well, not, well I mean, well, not, you know, he, so well, he nice. Knows. You know, but like people, you know, I mean, people... I'm wife number three to my husband, but we don't talk about it all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, like, and like everybody who used to be on the show were like part of like you know the radio station, so like some of them left, and so I had to like kind of scramble uh, okay. throughout the years. But we're probably gonna bring back a couple of people, like to like you know mark the 100 uh, show. When is so- it? When is the 100 show? Do we know? We, we don't probably early June at this point. Early June, okay. Yeah, I just want to make sure that we do something with that. Okay. Yeah, and so and so that's kind of what I'm aiming for because I think uh, we're getting close to like the end of the season. This is season five of Yes Another Podcast, so um, we're winding down, you know, for for the spring, and we'll probably be spring. back on late summer. So um, by that point, we probably have some more um, video up because we definitely do want to do something with like YouTube moving forward. Mm. So cool. I'm really excited about that. Well, on that note, guys, I got to wrap you up because I got to get into these wonderful women uh, and talk about what they're doing. Um, so please tell everybody where they can find you online and on social. All right. Carlos? You, can, you can find us on Instagram. Yes. Another podcast and on Twitter. Yes. Another pod. And okay. of course, we're, we're on the real fun DC app right after your show at 8 PM. Excellent. Thank you both for joining me today. Can't wait to have you back on. Thank okay. Thanks. Take care. This is Nikki Nellis, Industry Night. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about empowering the diner. Stay tuned. It's Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And we're back on Industry Night. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, you can hear, yes, another podcast right after me today. Um, Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it will surprise no one to learn that stereotypes and unconscious bias are really rampant in the hospitality industry. I mean, in lots of industries, but we're talking hospitality industry. So let me introduce Empowering the Diner. It's a virtual event series from industry veterans, Erica Christian and Capri Robinson. So hi guys, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, um, so uh, Capri has been on Foodie and the Beast in the past, but not recently. And Erica was just on this weekend um, talking about um, her experience and what led the two of you to come up with this event series. And I mean, that's a 10 minute segment. There's we barely scratched the surface. So um, Erica, I'd love to start with you. And um, I'm going to give you both like a little bit of time to talk about yourself. So I'd like to start with you and just get your background in the hospitality industry. What was it about this industry that appealed to you? Um, Yes, to be honest, at first, uh, it had absolutely nothing to do with wine. Um, I was a student at GW and I was really in need of just money and quickly um so (laughs) that is the beauty of the hospitality industry yeah it was definitely like I mean I was working odd jobs I was doing bat mitzvah photos I used to be a photographer so I had a whole different lifestyle to be completely honest but joining the restaurant industry despite the difficulties, um, the long hours, the late nights, the constant doubles even though I was doing a full course load um I just fell in love with like the I just just the idea of actively exploring food and beverage like that was not something that I did outside of my home much growing up like if we went out where did you grow up where'd you grow up New York I grew up in Buffalo New York okay um 
yeah it we did, we went out to eat but we went to the same places like you went to the same three places like your entire life um and it was always for an occasion um but I like the idea of just like just exploring just trying different things just because you could like that was not something I grew up with so I became sort of fascinated moved on to Daikaya which I know many are familiar with mm-hmm. slinging ramen there working in the Izakaya open Phantom King but that's actually where I started to get acquainted with wine and I well, remember Katsu, I mean just to be fair Katsuya is quite a character um, yes 100. I, was with him, I was with him the other night at Dauphine's. But um, also, you know, he trained under Jose Andre. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a real thoughtful cook. Yes. And I, and I love his food, right? Like, mm-hmm. I love his food. Um, and the idea of pairing wine specifically with Japanese dishes was intriguing to me. So when I started working in the izakaya, I really did take to some of the learning. I remember my first wine that I, that made me change my mind about wine was a Lebanese red, a red mm. blend from Chateau Moussard is the June red. I literally will never forget the name of the wine um, because I was like, this is delicious. I didn't think I liked red so wine. Did you think you, right. Why didn't you think you liked red wine? What was it? Because I was drinking Whole Foods, three buck, oh, uh, yeah. three okay. wishes. <laughs> <laughs> because I was drinking I mean, three wishes. Right, right. <laughs> because okay. I was drinking two buck chuck and three wishes. I mean, I didn't understand the difference at the time. You know, it, it, it didn't make a difference at the time. You bought what you could afford. Uh, but having a wine like that really changed my mind. So from then on, I just was like, I'm going to dine everywhere. So I started dining at Tail Up Goat once a month. I started dining at the Dabney. I just started dining. Well, you know, but you all also these started places. dining at places that had really interesting, not, so there are expensive wine lists you know, like no offense to Wolfgang Puck and Cut, it's an expensive restaurant, it's an expensive wine list. But like what I love about Tail Up Goat or Ellie, you know, is that they're really thoughtful wine lists. Like yes. I love looking at a wine list and being like, yeah, I don't, I don't know a single wine on here. <laughs> Help, yes. <laughs> you know? Yes, and that, and that's what drew me in. Um, it was the, uh, table side education you know I was able to explore at one restaurant consistently um, and then I ended up applying there and working there because I was like I want to learn what I'm enjoying Um, and throughout all of this while I was learning so much um, I did start to realize that the language was a little inaccessible which is what keeps people from really getting into not wine as a like as an a a tool for education like a tool for educating your palate but like wine is something to experience that you so you can better understand what you like like that's not how we were doing it right like even some of the educational uh wine lists at uh tail up like we tail up goat does summer rieslings so the white wines on the by the class list are all rieslings right? right which is a great thing but at the end of the day like you you know, I don't like Riesling, right? Everybody doesn't like Riesling. So there was a little bit of this pressure to sort of get people on board with what you're doing that season, right? Like not everyone likes Tempranillo. So if we're doing a Tempranillo winter wine list, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of having to convince people <laughs> to like Tempranillo. So, you know, I, I while I really enjoyed everything that I was learning, 
tail up goat, then going to Emily's, then, you know, continuing to move on. I just realized that I wasn't really serving people the way I knew how to serve them with the hospitality I had grown up knowing. Like, though I only had gone to a few restaurants growing up, eating in my family was very hospitable. So I wasn't able to connect with people. I felt like I was kind of having to force them into things that they already thought they didn't like. And it's a really weird, I thought, for me to have to convince people <laughs> that they're going right. to want something different and not just flow with what they're saying and validating what they're saying and finding something within the confines of their own boundaries, really. So, well, um, I think what you're talking about, and I say this a lot, I mean, you know, I, I have my fingers on a lot of pots and one of them is a consulting arm, but there's no hospitality enforcing yeah. somebody, you know, like if I go into a restaurant and I'm like, yeah, I don't like rabbit. I mean, do I have to? Do you know what I mean? Like, you may think your rabbit is the most delicious rabbit in the entire world, and that's great. But if you really want me to convert to it, then maybe, you know, you send out a little taste of it. Do you know what I mean? Or maybe you you introduce me to it as opposed to force me into yes. it. So I, I'm with you on that. All right, Erica, for a minute, let me just jump over to um, Capri, who is... Uh, hanging out with us as well. So Capri, I mean, you're, we've got the Psalm side here with Erica, you're in mm. the spirit side. So let's talk about your, um, how you got here, how you wound up shaking and stirring. Oh, absolutely. So honestly, I got into this industry because I dropped out of college. <laughs> I dropped out of Howard um, and I didn't want to go back home to Georgia to stay on my mom's couch. So I was like, I need to figure out some way, somehow to keep a living, stay in DC, you know, keep up with what I want to do. So uh, the first place that hired me was Uno Chicago Grill um, down at Union Market. I'm not Union Market, mm -hmm. Union Station. I always do that. Um, and um, because we like Union Market better. That's why. <laughs> I was like, Union Market, I mean, the trains. Um, so I, uh, that was the first place that like, I saw what like, um, a restaurant family is, if that makes any sense. So like being there nonstop, doing doubles, going through different rushes, because we have lots of big, big business rushes and Amtrak people would come and just like lunch would be crazy, then dinner would be crazy. Um, and then, you know, those people there to this day are still my friends. Um, and I learned a lot of just what, like even at that Uno's, they really talked a lot about you know, taking care of those people. If they want something different, take it off the check. If they don't like it, get it off the table. So I thought that was pretty awesome, but I started to need to make a bit more money so that I can afford some rent in the city because I used it's Howard's expensive. for a while. <laughs> um, but then when I needed to have my own place, I ended up going over to Farmer's Fisher's Bakers down on the Georgetown waterfront and I was yeah. serving there. So this is all before 21. And it was the first place that I had saw fresh juices and syrups and prepping and making a cocktail the way that they did for the first time, tiki mm -hmm. cocktails, and all of it blew my mind. And like the people behind the bar to this day, I still look up to, um, and they were just hungry for knowledge. They were competitive against each other, you know, and like just, just felt like superstars. Um, and, you know, dropping out of college, you kind of feel a little bit of emptiness because you're like, well, what am I doing? You know, what is the focus? What am I learning? Because I am still big. I was still big on learning. It was just the college setting was not great for me. Um, so it is not for everybody. 
Yeah. And to this day, I'm still, I mean, there's things in the industry where I'm like, okay, this is probably why college would have been great <laughs> to just like understand how to like study and do things. Cause I'm doing so much education now, educational courses that, that those qualities would have came into play. So I'm learning again. Um, but just, um, at Farmers Bakers before 21, I was like, I need to get behind that bar. As soon as I hit 21, like I need to get behind that bar. Uh, so 21 hit, I, you know, they allowed me to start training um, because of Torrance Swain. I was able to continuously train and be behind that bar. He um, vouched for me because I had missed one of my second training. It was we for brunch training. You had to be mm -hmm. there by like 6.45, 7 a.m. Um, and I served the night before and I was trying to study before I got there, slept, overslept, and they wanted to not allow me to be behind the bar ever again um yeah. yeah um so Torrance Swain said you know what this she works really hard you know I'll you know I'll vouch for her I'll watch her I'll keep her on time so I had to do like a three-month thing it was it was a lot <laughs> but I finally got but back. I will say this I mean Dan Simons and the fresh um founder of Fisher's the Fisher's group the founder's group yep yeah, the founders group. Thank you. They have um, they have a real like commitment to their employees and to training and to I mean, I don't believe it's just talk. You've worked for them, but uh, uh, like raising people up, moving people up. Oh, yeah, they do. They definitely you know? move people into management um, and different things like that. Um, so it was, you know, after Torrance was able to get me on there, I like didn't stop. You know what I'm saying? I made sure mm -hmm. that I stuck to it. I was learning. Um, and, and from that, I mean, I was having fun. It was, it was, it was always a time to create. It was always time, you know, have fun with juices, different types of liqueurs, different types of rums and, and gins and whiskeys and things that I didn't know. We constantly had training classes. Um, and from there, like the spark of constantly being in this industry started because what I was doing now, I was still learning all my core elements, right? I had mm -hmm. some science, I had some history going, I had to do some reading, I ha definitely had to do math because we were doing ounces and weighing and, and making. Um, from there, I became a head bartender in that company. I was with them for a while. Um, and then after that, I left, I've, I've opened Dirty Habit in the city. I've mm. opened Addendum in 18th Street Lounge, rest in peace. Um, I was <laughs> at Reliable Tavern until um, recently. Um, and then also while all this is happening, I'm doing different things across the right. nation. So I can did, we talk about your were the uh, 2017 cocktail queen? I was. That was what while I was that at Dirty Habit too. Yeah. That was um surprising win. <laughs> I was so nervous. Um so the cocktail queen competition was really amazing and I, I really wanted to come back. I'm trying to like figure a way to make that come back. All right, we're um, gonna talk about that, that off air. Let's figure that yes. out. Okay. <laughs> um that was the first time like I really felt camaraderie at a competition between the competitors, right? Yeah. Like I had asked, like I forgot a garnish and somebody had it. So I was able to use it. And um they did a thing where it's like a special a secret ingredient that they didn't tell us that we got there. We had to make a cocktail with Midori. Um, and I did like Midori, uh, melon juice and like, uh, oh no, my Midori, whole, mezcal. My whole, my whole body just went into like diabetic shock. Like, yes. Like Midori. <laughs> it was crazy. Like I would just use such a scant amount. All right. Listen, I, I don't want to like get caught here, but 
you did launch Chocolate Cities Fest. Can you tell everybody a little bit about that? And then we're going to take a quick break. And then I want to get into this incredible event series that the two of you are doing. Absolutely. Um, Chocolate Best was launched in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. It is a nonprofit organization where we are constantly focused on um, raising and putting black and brown faces in the industry to the forefront. So we do um, cocktail competitions. We do lots of different things like Beyond the Bar. Um, we do coat drives. We do online social events. Um, and we also do educational um, classes and courses. Um, and you can find this at chocolatecitiesbest.com. Who are the educational courses for? Is it for people wanting to get into the industry? It's for everyone, honestly. Okay. It's for people that are have been in the industry for a long time and haven't had access to educational courses. And it's for people that are trying to start off their um, their knowledge in the spirits world and the, and the beverage world in general. That's amazing. All right, great. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. This is Nikki Nella. We're going to learn more about empowering the diner when we get back. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. <sighs> Serving up thought for food. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And we're back on Industry Yay. Night with Nikki Nellis. Follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Not really on Facebook. I really don't like Facebook. But Twitter and Instagram, I'm totally on. Uh, and so we're back. We are learning about empowering the diner. I have with me uh, Erica Christian and uh, Capri Robinson, uh, both uh, restaurant industry veterans uh, in their own fields. Uh, and I can't have to give a shout out to Eric Werner Yang, who actually introduced me to Erica, because uh, as some of you may know, uh, Eric Werner Yang um, has a partnership with com, and so Eric Brunner-Yang has this partnership with the list, are you on it.com? And uh, he introduced me to Erica. He was like, you need to know about these people. So we are obviously advertising what's happening here uh, on the list, are you on it.com? Thanks to Eric. But um, so um, I want to talk to you both, Erica and Capri. So how did you two come up with this? Erica, I believe you're the one who sort of started, you know, based on our conversation earlier, like you saw holes in the dining industry, you saw it with wine, but you must have seen that it related to food too. What was it about empowering the diner, like this concept, this series that that you saw the need for? Um, you know, like I said earlier, right? Like when we're talking about encouraging people to explore, you have to start with what they like. You have to start with something that's comfortable. Um, and you know, people were being denied what they liked or judged for it. Um, and I realized just that, that I wasn't able to connect to people through what I love, through what what I was passionate about. So I've been talking about doing something like empowering the diner for a long time now. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd say for at least, I'd say for at least like two, two and a half years, um, but, you know, when you're giving all of your time to other people, other businesses, you don't really have time to build the things that you want to build for yourself. Uh. So finally, through all of my discouraging work experience, right, like I'm, I'm never going to deny what I've learned, but the work experiences were discouraging for me. And honestly, being a guest throughout the city was often discouraging as well. So I, I really decided, I was just like, you know what, enough is enough. I really have to do this. Can we dig into that for just a second? So as a guest, 
when you say you had a discouraging experience and, and Capri drop in as well, because you're both industry people. So you know how it works, right? Yeah. I mean, we can all be frustrated by an experience, right? But when you're having a dining experience, what was it for you where you were like, I mean, man, if they just knew this, this yeah. would be so much better for me. What, what was that for you? I mean, to be honest, it was like if they just treated me like a person, <laughs> like if they just treated me like a person who can develop their own sense of what they like. Like I've been mm-hmm. denied bitter co- cocktails. I've been served things I haven't asked for. Um, I've been told, no, I don't think you'll like that. You'll like this because it's sweeter, right? I like a range of styles. I like a range of sweetness. But when we talk about hospitality, like there has to be some connection to what I'm actually saying that I want. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people assumed that I was uninformed, uh, especially being young black woman dining out by myself. I love to dine out by myself. I will crush courses alone. (laughs) Um, Me too. I'm a big eater. I love it. But I learned that like, especially being by myself, it was really difficult for me to advocate for myself because people were not listening. Like I was literally being served things that I did not order. I remember even having like, I wanted sugar on the rim of my margarita because that's what I wanted at the time. Right, just give me what I want. I just asked for that. And you asked me salt or sugar. And he was like, trust me, you don't want, you don't want sugar. I'm going to give you salt. And I'm like, I can't even get a margarita. I can't even order a margarita and have it come the way I want it to. So when I, when I talk about discouraging experiences, I mean like quite literally not being listened to like ordering things and just, and, and, and it being assumed that I'm not going to like it. And really it's coming from a place where people on the other side. Actually it's the assumption that you're wrong, right? The the, the assumption that, that, that I'm wrong. That they know better than you. I mean, Capri, how about you? Were, were discouraging for me. similar? Oh, yeah. Um, no. Discouraging for me came more in the form of no patience on the side of the bar, right? There's no patience yeah. that they have to sit and listen to you. There's no patience to sit and hear what you like. There's no patience. I found myself, and I say this a lot, with some of my friends who aren't, you know, frequent diners out, going out with them and having to be kind of that translator or you know that liaison between my the guests the people I'm sitting with and the people that are at serving or bartending right um going to some wine places that people like in the city and going with people that you know what do you like to drink well asking my friend what they like to drink and hoping that the person across the bar can hear them and listen to that but they're looking around and you know not paying attention and they're like I'll be right back so it's like you know, they're not having that communication with you. That's what discouraging is for me because how are you trying to take care of all your guests and not listen to them, right? But I see that you're having a 10 minute conversation with this guest over here about, oh, I got this new cute whatever. And, you know, this, (laughs) and for me, it was like, okay, if you don't know what you want, I'll be back, you know? So it's like, well, Mm -hmm. if if it's us that needs to know what we want, let's go ahead and start teaching ourselves to, to say, what we want, you know, and it also to teach that patience on the other side, like really sit and look and listen to who's in front of you um, so that they can have the best experience and so they can come back, right? That's really the goal. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about, I mean, it is about hospitality. It is about being kind, but this is a business. And if you are not hospitable and you are not kind, you are not going to make money, 
right? Like, so <laughs> there is, I mean, I suck think at it would math. be that simple. I mean, I just want to say, I am not good at math at all, but I do know one plus one equals two. And I think that that is a key component that is missing from the hospitality industry is that by being dismissive, by not listening, by uh, thinking you know better, you're losing money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and it's, think that's a motivator. And Absolutely. it's not only thinking that, you know, it's not only the thinking that they know better, but this is that they think they know what you want, right? Like if you walk into a bar as a woman, order a certain drink, exactly. You order yeah. a certain drink, they might assume you don't want that. So there's going to be a conversation where there's a convincing you of ordering something else. Maybe, maybe they don't quite give you what you wanted. Maybe they sweeten it up for you, whatever that is. It's just that like, regardless of what, who, what you look like, how you present, if they have it, you should be able to order it and receive it without question. No question. You like, keep your judgments to yourself. Right. Exactly. Like I'm totally with you. I mean, look, I personally don't like white Zinfandel. It's not a wine that I want to drink, but I have friends who love it. They think it's delicious. <laughs> do I say anything to them? No. Do I keep a bottle in my fridge for them when they come to my house? You bet. Because that, <laughs> that stuff lasts forever. It doesn't That's die. Hospitality, honey. Right. But when I pour it, I think to myself, oh, I can't believe that they are drinking this. But I would never say anything to it. And I'm not in the industry in that way. Uh, all right. I want to get to the meat of this interview, which, okay. uh, I mean, I feel like there's a lot. But um, <laughs> let's talk about this uh, series that you two are doing. Um, let's, let's explain it. Empowering the Diner. Go. Yes. Sure, absolutely. Um, Empowering the Diner is a four-week-long event series. Each week mm-hmm. is going to come with a, a special speaker that Erica has handpicked for all of us to speak about certain different issues and um, learnings in the wine industry itself. Um, and she's really awesome. She named all of them after songs. So go ahead and go to empoweringthediner.com to see all the names of the sessions. Each session mm-hmm. also comes with a chef recipe that's going to pair with the bottle of wine that we sold out on. So congratulations. Uh, we sold all of our wine tickets. Each um, of those tickets get a bottle of wine per session um, and a chef recipe that pairs with that. Um, in each session, we're just going to be, you know, kind of debunking, debunking some things. We're going to be talking about some issues in the wine industry. And, you know, we're going to just be very real with people and trying to really encourage them um, to just start thinking about their experiences more and how much that matters. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be tasting wine. And really, one of my favorite parts about it, about the tasting, is that and the Empowering the Diner, it comes with the whole zine online um, mm-hmm. where it's going to have your chef recipes, it's going to have the wine information, more wa- information about your speakers and your chef. And it's going to um, have a tasting grid where we're going to just ask you to write down what you taste, not what you think mm-hmm. you're supposed to be tasting, not what people have told you, not what the Psalm says it's supposed to be, what you taste, what recollects to your memories. Um, and, you know, ask you about that because collecting that information allows us to have a different perspective perspective to what wines can taste like. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a, a great, um, a great idea, right? Because there is no should, especially when it comes to wine, right? Like everybody's palates are different. Just like I may see blue a little darker or lighter than you see it because we all 
don't see through each other's eyes. The same thing goes for a palate, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I may love a wine, you may dislike it or the reverse or a cocktail for that matter. Um, so I love this idea and I do love the names of each um, session. Um, I think they're really creative and fun. Uh, and I do want to kind of sing along with them. Um, so um, Erica, I mean, you have people like Amanda Carpenter and Julia uh, uh, Coney, who I'm obsessed with. She's amazing. So how are you structured? Are you just letting them go? Or are you structuring the talks? Are there topics within the talks that you really, you're like, I want this box checked. This is important. Well, yes. Um, because I chose each of them very purposefully mm -hmm. and I placed each of them very purposefully. Same thing with the recipes and the chefs. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to make sure that I chose people who already have this sort of like uh, sense of like dismantling colonizer-led perspectives in the wine world. Um, in it's integrated into the work already, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone's conversation will be sort of tailored to what they do, the work that they already do, right? Mm -hmm. So Amanda's starting us off with some of the basic learning about just even how how to taste wine and different things like that, like how to access your palate. Um, but that's because she's you know, she's done a lot of guiding people <laughs> to know right. what to drink and where to drink. So, so really it was just very purposeful in that way, choosing um, people who were already uh, doing the work um, so that they could speak from a place of what they're doing and not as like a highlight, right? Like for me, it's very important that Empowering the Diner is a platform where people actually come to engage with our perspectives and what we're teaching. And it's not just a highlight for what we're teaching, right? Like this is like, you're always going to come to empower the, uh, Empowering the Diner to engage with what Black-led perspectives are or what BIPOC-led perspectives are. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's sort of how I chose that same thing with the wines. All of those things were chosen very purposefully. Um, and I'm super excited. People are going to have a lot to learn. And even along with what Capri mentioned, the tasting grid, there's going to be a tasting grid and an organizational tool. So you're going to have a grid that helps you organize your thoughts about what you're tasting, right? Like right. when you talk about tasting fruit, are you tasting sweetness or are you tasting fruit that fruits are always, you know, a little sweet, you know? So right. what's the difference between a sweet wine and a fruity wine? And those things just helping people guide their, what they're tasting, but never mm -hmm. taking away from what they're actually experiencing with the wine. Right. I love that. And so now if is do you sign up for each session or is it a a whole thing? It's a whole thing. So we okay. it was really important to me that we packaged it and that yeah. we that because I wanted people to engage with the range that is like, I mean, look at our chefs. Like right. the range of experiences that, that they have, the range of the experiences that our speaker has. I feel like mm -hmm. often when we get into like groups, events, or organizations that are BIPOC led, people have a, they think it's going to be one thing. They think it's mm -hmm. going to be one way. And this is to show that it's not going to be that. So basically you buy a ticket, it gives you access to all four sessions. All four sessions are recorded. So even if you cannot make those Friday nights at oh, 8. Oh, good. Because that was my concern. I can't make one of them. And I was like, I, I mean, I'm signing up, obviously, because I totally want to be a part of this. But um, okay, I can't believe the show is already over. I feel like we barely scratched the surface <laughs> on what both of you are doing. Um, and I do hope maybe after the session, we find some time to bring you guys back on Absolutely. to talk about, because um, I think the 
One of the things that I saw, Capri, in uh, what you wrote on the website is, you know, there is education that is needed out there um, for people who should want to go in the hospitality industry. Pandemic aside, um, it's an amazing industry and it's a way to make a living and have a career and pay the rent. And, uh, you know, I have a son who, you know, is a, a beverage director in, you know, restaurant industry. I mean, it's a, an incredible way of life if, if it turns you on. Um, but giving access to people who maybe didn't grow up with it or weren't afforded that hospitality, um, introducing it to them I think is uh, next level. And uh, I, I would love to talk about that with you more. So um, ladies, if you would please, and I hope you don't mind me calling you ladies, uh, if you would please uh, tell everybody where they can find the info on Empowering the Diner. Yes, so you can go to our beautiful website, <laughs> empoweringthediner.com. Beautiful, it is a beautiful website. All Erica. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. One of the things about owning your own business, you become a graphic designer, a website designer, you do it all. But that's yep. where you can find all of the information. Um, that is the sort of basis of our content. Sign up for our newsletter. I'll be all the newsletters. I make those as well. So I'll be sending more of those out. Um, and you have access to our ticket links. You can also go to at Empowering the Diner on Instagram and find lots of content there as well. Um, so definitely check us out. Definitely go to our website. If you're interested in knowing more about the speakers and the chefs as well, we have their information up there. Excellent. I want to thank you both um, for your time this morning. I know how busy you both are. And, and I, if you will allow me to applaud your effort in putting this together. And uh, I mean, listen, everybody's writing about the two of you. They should. This is um, a necessary moment in the hospitality industry. Um, people have been talking about the last year, like all these changes that need to happen in the hospitality industry. And one of my personal complaints is I was like, yeah, well, who's going to take the lead? Who's going to take charge and make some of these changes? And I'm sitting with two women who um, are doing that. So uh, I want to thank you both uh, for joining me. Uh, and please check out um, Empowering the Diner. Uh, this is an event series that you do not want to miss. Well, that was an incredible conversation uh, with Erica and Capri. Uh, empowering the Diner is something that you do not want to miss out on. And I love now knowing that they'll be recording every session. So if you cannot be there for each one, you can certainly follow up with it afterwards. So as always, I want to thank you for tuning in to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis. Uh, follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Of course, you should subscribe so you never miss an episode of Industry Night here on Real Fun DC. So the light is at the end of the tunnel. It looks like the pandemic is almost over. Please get vaccinated if you haven't. There are plenty of appointments available. Still wear a mask because you need to be careful. And now we all know about good hygiene. So keep that hand sanitizer handy and uh, be safe out there. But please have a delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Real Fun DC.